How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I just realised I'm wearing an apron. <laughs> nice. You're always wearing an apron then, aren't you? It's true, but this particular apron, there's just something a little bit, I'm going to say housewife-y. Oh, you just opened up a can of shit there, didn't oh, you? I sure did. Not even worms, just shit. Yeah. I don't mean contemporary, I mean like from another time. Okay, okay, oh. then perhaps if you were prefacing it with a, a 50s housewife, then yes. we'd understand it as a kind of an aesthetic. Yes, it's, and it's, it's very short and it's got kind of red roses on it. If I have the nerve, I will take a photo and it will be in the show notes, but I might. But it, it's um, it has a peculiar uh, effect. When you say it's quite short, I am now imagining you only wearing the apron and nothing else. <laughs> I think it's because you said, "If I have the nerve," and I'm thinking, "Is it because it barely covers his embarrassment? Is is that why?" <laughs> hey, it's not my embarrassment; it's your embarrassment. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. I've had quite a funny morning. I, I wasn't feeling very well. Oh, dear. Yeah, I did. I didn't. I did had... Um, a little bit uh, like palpitations, a little bit Ooh, of a so headache. Okay, so when you say not well, like kind of hearty not well, like a, a poundy chest. Yeah, not great. Okay. And no. um, <laughs> we had this comic situation of trying to remember the acronym for um, for checking for symptoms, not for a heart attack, but for a stroke. And then... Realizing that we didn't know, we couldn't remember the word for the uh, the aid memoir. Like, what is the thing you? What's the word you use to describe a series of letters that are designed to help you remember something? <laughs> and trying to uh, use the web uh, browser, the sorry, the search engine of Lil's choice, not mine. I think what I'm hearing is you couldn't remember the word mnemonic in order to search the word mnemonic for stroke. Exactly. Which then you could then you could find the word fast, which if I it? remember you know correctly you know is Do you know yeah, it? Face. Wait, wait, wait. So you know it off by heart or did you just do a little search then? No, no, gosh no. No, no, no. I know this off by heart. Wait, so mnemonic was the word and it is quite funny. So we were going aid memoir, you know, acronym, you know, Anyway, mnemonic, yes, thank you. Yeah, mnemonic, mnemonic device. Yeah. And like, fast. Um, so, so tell us fast. Yeah. Face, arms, speech, time. And time is curious, isn't it? It's because you're supposed to not let it be too long between noticing these things happening. But I do think that... Act quickly, the, basically. Yeah. They, they're sort of... That feels like a stretch, doesn't it, when you get to time? Yes, although I did say that fast... Or Fs or SAF. They just don't have quite the same ring to them. So I, I passed all those tests. Okay, so your face is fine. Your arms are fine. Yes, I, like, I was able fine. to smile. There was no droopy part of my face. I was able to mm. smile and um, I could lift up my arms and keep them there. And um, I, can just, I can just hear 
Corbettron, David Corbett, Dr. Corbett, mm-hmm. listening, mm-hmm. going, oh, my God, don't listen to these guys for any medical advice. In, in fact, indeed, if any of you are listening on the possibility that you might gain some basic medical advice, please don't listen for those You're reasons. on the wrong podcast. You're on the very wrong podcast. We've been very clear that we are expert in very little, and the things that we are expert we in do will not, not save your life. And we do not talk about them. No, we don't. Uh, so, yes, um, speech, yes, I was able to, as you can hear. Um, so, yeah, that's... that's uh, and then heart attack, of course, is a little bit more complicated. Well, heart attacks can present in a variety of ways because they can present over days and they can be... Uh, really minor. There's, there's, well, also, there's the sense that, you know, oh, it's in your arm and your armpit and that... Oh, no, you can actually feel sweaty and sick and there'll be nothing in the arms and the chest. So, yeah, I, I don't think... I think I'm going to make it through this episode. Let's hope so. I mean, it would make it. A snuff podcast would really be quite special. Oh, my God. I would struggle to edit that one. Well, you'd also struggle to... Would you struggle to complete the podcast? Do you think you could soldier on? (laughs) The show must go on, Lee. Let's be honest. It depends when you were to cock. (laughs) If you were to die in the, the first 15 minutes, that's a lot of me trying to vamp. But it's... if you were to die in the last 15 minutes, I can edit around that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you'd edit the death out? You'd Bruce Springsteen me, wouldn't oh, you? <laughs> no, I think I'd leave you in. As if I were to nothing happened. I, th- I think I'd leave it in and so that I could cast myself in the light of somebody who is deeply anxious and worried for you. And I'd probably, f- I'd probably like re-perform phoning 999, which of course I wouldn't do. So, and you, um, <laughs> you'd come out ahead in so many different ways. Is that what you're that's, saying? That's my hope. That's my hope. Maybe this will be the moment that I finally get to go viral because you've died. And you cast yourself as an extraordinarily humble and caring yeah. human being. Absolutely, which of course we know isn't true. We do. It's, uh, it's funny in a way. I'm not going to preface anything I say with it's funny because uh, actually a friend was saying, you guys do, did I say this? You do talk about death quite a lot. <laughs> and I thought, do we? Do we? Let us know. Do you think we talk about death too much or even just a lot? Info at midlifing.net. I think we talk about death an appropriate amount for we two do. men who are coming closer to it day by day. I mean, not necessarily at the same, at a different rate from anyone else, though. No, but I think it's... When you're 20, you don't think about death encroaching, although, you know, it could. It has been a strange morning, I have to say. I, um... The other thing I was doing, this is, I'm not sure if this is, this might be even worse. I jointed a chicken for the first time in my life. And how did that go? There are a lot of YouTube videos about how to joint a chicken. And it occurs to me that it's an extraordinary ability to imagine yourself to be in the mind and body of someone who's never done something before. To forget that you know how to do something, and then to imagine what the problems are for that person who's never done something before. And none of these people were able to do that. It was extraordinary, extraordinary how poor uh, these various videos were at imagining this carcass in the hands of a novice. So much was assumed of, of me. One assumption that I would have a really sharp knife. Because how many people really have the kinds of knives that these people were using in these YouTube videos? It was funny and a bit stressful. And a bit tricky. So, yeah, I, I was... Uh, <laughs> and also I'm aware that I'm talking to you because, you know, you're the son of a butcher. Yeah, but the son of a butcher who has um, no real skills when it comes to boning out. It's um, 
it, it, it's I would say it's embarrassing, except it isn't because I don't really eat animal flesh. Well, yes, that's so that. that's not a big deal. But um, you must have jointed a chicken. Before. Oh God, yeah, I have, I have done, I have done. But I mean, I'm 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 aware how badly I do it in comparison to my dad. But that's because I've watched my dad. I was thinking about this earlier on in the week because I was giving a paper, um, a, a research paper to colleagues. And I was reflecting upon um, a, p- a piece of performance that I'd seen where I was, and oh, I've talked about it, the piece um, the piece by Antoine Treud, where I was asked to imagine killing somebody. Yes. And I was talking about, in this paper, um, that I've seen my dad dress numerous animals over my life, but only kill a handful. And I, I found myself saying... I've only seen my dad kill a handful of animals and thinking, that's not a sentence many people will say. Mm. (laughs) Only a handful. Mm. (laughs) As opposed to, oh my God, I saw my dad kill a, you know, fill in the blank here. But when I've watched him boning out, which is obviously he's 80, it's an increasingly rare phenomenon. There is just such dexterity and embodied knowledge and genuine skill that it's, it doesn't, if you can divorce yourself from the process and kind of, you know, however you might feel about it, whether that's kind of how you feel about it ethically or how you feel about it in terms of the squeamishness of it, it is just truly impressive to watch. Yeah. Because nothing is being wasted when you see somebody with that level of skill. Mm. His, um, the, the bones that come out of, 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 the, of the flesh are... Naked. Almost, yeah, almost shining white. Just a very, very hint oh. that there was anything on them. Yes, yeah, so certainly the carcass that we have left after the... Uh, it's going to make some for some excellent stock because there was quite a little bit still hanging on. <laughs> but it's, um, it's funny, I'm reminded of two things. One is... Well, firstly, just to circle back to the capacity to imagine oneself as a beginner. Basically, it's a form of empathy, I think, which is extraordinarily rare. I think that teachers, just by default, because they're bumping into people who don't know all the time, right? So they figure out strategies and are able to imagine what it's like because they're constantly being um, hit over the head with people who don't know and or don't know how to do something. And so there's, but there's still, I think even in even as you become more skilled, I think it's still easy to lose that. Like it's, there's a sort of tension there for me, which I find fascinating in the in the context of teaching. And I was so, you know, like I'm repeating myself now, but I was so reminded because these these people they were using the word just all the time and just uh i'm going just what i don't even know which way to turn the fucking chicken like you know (laughs) you're saying breast up and i'm looking at the chicken going is that the breast you know like it's really uh i have to stop and of course you've got chicken stuff all your hands you have to wash your hands in order to touch the screen to (laughs) 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 there must be so many chicken remains on my phone right now but the other thing which i think maybe is more interesting is something that Bob sent me and it was a um, a bit of writing which includes a chapter called The Tao of Butchering a Cow by Yuk Hui I think is the name of the um, philosopher and describes that pretty much that this the moment of encountering a bone and no sense of pushing through it that there's a there's this this particular action of doesn't even matter the sort of sense of almost as if you're you'd be able to describe it better than I can but but 
when you encounter the resistance, you are just kind of going with the resistance as opposed to pushing against it, and that comes through extraordinary skill and practice and sensitivity to this thing. And I, I just, I, you know, as you were describing, I remember that as you were describing um, your dad's uh, experience and skill. Uh, what was it called? Boning out. Such a strange bit of English. That. Yeah, it is. It, that's yeah. I um I used to. <laughs> I used to sell bones on my dad's butcher's stall when I was little, like probably five or six. So I may have said on the podcast before that I, I never received pocket money. I've always had to work. I don't um, think you have said that. I don't think Haven't I? I? Oh. Oh, okay. So I was never given an allowance. I was never given pocket money. I was always given jobs. And so You had um, to earn your pocket money, effectively. Yeah, yeah, I had to earn my pocket money. But the result is that I <laughs> I would expect a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. So it was quite, you know, I, I would there would be negotiations. Even very early on, there would be negotiations about what I could have. Were you 12? Um, about 12? Younger? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. When I was selling bones on my dad's stall... Okay, so my dad stopped being... I say stopped being a butcher. I should say he sold his butcher's stall when I was nine. And I'd been working for him before then. So I guess I probably would have been about, from from starting school age, <laughs> five or six. And I, I would, so... Was this after, had... before or after he had you up the chimney? <laughs> well, it was, I, as much as anything, I guess it was about keeping me occupied. Because um, my mum worked for my, my dad. So, okay. How far do we go back? I wasn't breastfed. What? Hang on, that is a long way back. But there's a reason I'm explaining it. I wasn't breastfed because my mum was back at work seven days after I was born. Wow. Because my dad couldn't afford to pay somebody else. Dad would be boning out. Dad would be doing the preparatory stuff. And my mum would be doing the the selling, which meant that I was kept underneath the counter in a... In you know those um, those big kind of plastic bread trays that carry yeah <laughs> carry bread around. Well, I was kept in one of those, but instead of the white version, the white plastic version, which was a bread tray, there would be a meat tray, would be a red plastic version. Yeah. So I was That's kept what, in one of those with black. That was your bassinet. Was a red it, meat it tray. It was. It was. And so <laughs> my. <laughs> well, oh, this is great. But so do you. I mean, I know you were, you know, you were just effectively neonatal then. But do you have any recollections? No. Like when, when do you? No, re- I have no, I have no, I have no memory of that at all. But, but what but, are your first memories of being in the butcher shop? Okay, I'll, I, I, I oh, sorry, I'm you're going to get that. there. Yeah. Um, no, I'm doing that like really annoying, starting way before I need to in order to build up because I was in this. I kind of remember what the what it is that you're uh, getting to now. So. <laughs> I was in this crate apparently underneath the uh, the butcher store, and. Um, I was bottle fed because, and my mum jokes, and I'm not sure that this is an appropriate joke, but she would always say, I was terrified of getting my boob out and somebody saying they wanted half a pound of it. So <laughs> this sense that she would, you know, I know she's talking there about, really she's talking there about modesty, but that kind of the, the fact that she's at a butcher's and there's just the kind of the meat of it all was just too much to bear. So I was Bottle fed. There's only so much flesh that uh, exactly, a store can exactly. handle. Exactly. Jump forward for a, well, five or six years. That those crates that I was asleep in 
were turned into a platform. Three or four were stacked on top on. of one another. Exactly that. There was an end of the butcher's stall that was away from all of the sharp knives and all of the action. And I just stood on these crates selling dog bones. So, so they would be, be... Oh, go on. They would be the bones that my dad had boned out yeah. that he would then saw up um, and put in a big pot, a big kind of like plastic... Um, yep. container and i would sell them for 10p a bag and um, you did you bag them i bagged them yeah and so yes yeah, so i would stand there going would you like to buy some bones for your dog i don't have a dog they make great soup <laughs> you're a salesman you're a bone uh, salesman i was a bone salesman yeah but i i was so i i paid a lot of attention this was the very long-winded way of saying I paid a lot of attention to my dad boning out because I benefited from the bones in a way that he would have thought of them quite often as things to dispose of. I wanted them. I particularly wanted the big knuckle ends because the big knuckle ends, you know, I could sell them for 50p. It's a big deal. That's a lot and did of you get because... did you get all that money or you paid away? Oh god no. I wasn't given all of the money. God nowhere near, but I was given a percentage of it. So it behooved me to sell well. Ah, and finally, we got to use the word behoove on midlifing. <laughs> I've been waiting every day, every episode. I think is this the day we're going to use the word behoove? No, but now we have. Thank you. Um, we use the word behoove as opposed to dehoove, which is what my dad was doing when he was taking the feet off. Ah, I'm so dead sorry. Joke. That was dreadful. Yes, it was. There is something incredible, isn't there? Any any kind of skilled action like that. It's just watching someone with those kinds of um, the rapidity, the clarity, the the ability to quickly adapt to a particular situation i just it's it's so inspiring in any field that doesn't matter you know to me it's i'm not yeah i love it i love it what you're describing there it's it's watching somebody understand the material that they're working with it's it's just it's it's quite beautiful isn't it and i think because we work in such even though there's a physical element to both of our practices we are effectively working in cognitive spaces most in front of, the of a computer but it, yeah it's it's funny though because i i see people using computers and i have the same experience in the sense that the way in which they've mastered and the way in which the computer conforms and shapes to their understanding is i see that all the time i don't see that as being so different from you know the way you were describing uh, your dad but yes, there's something about the construction or the it's we're talking about craft in a way, maybe yeah the the transformation of materials it's the the lack of materiality of the materials that are being transformed, if you understand what I mean. I was thinking about your hug this week, oh, last week's hug, yeah, and i I think i it's it's reminded me because of what you just said about bites, because <laughs> I'm thinking, when was the last time we were physically together? You and I. Uh, wow. Mm. I have a feeling it might have been this time in Plymouth, this time two years ago. Since we were last physically... That, is that the last time? Do you think that's the last time? I'm pretty I sure think, well, that I is. can't imagine that there was, a, that there was another moment where we, we've been together and i know that's strange isn't it i think we probably i probably feel closer to you in this moment not in this very moment but recently than we talk regularly obviously we Mm. text 
probably daily. Mm-hmm. And I was, st- I was, I guess I was thinking about the nature of friendship and how it's how the potential depth of it has changed so much because of technology. <laughs> and, and I don't really have anything profound or intelligent to say about it. I was just thinking about that hug that you talked about because I also had a hug this week. With another, you mean other than Bob? With uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw f- we. I went on a, a picnic park date with two friends who I haven't seen for probably a year, and one of them in particular is just a really, really good hugger. There's all the, there's also like a little sort of a little hand on the back of the neck and just a little stroking thumb. Oh. And there's, there's just something really very solid about her presence, Beautiful. and and I I hadn't thought about. It how much I'd missed that. Mm, until you... Until I was experiencing it. Yeah, so I was just thinking about the complexity of, of being together apart. Yeah, when I think of hugging you, I think of being rasped by your beard and, and you kissing me on the neck with your, with your hairy face and, and wanting to <laughs> run away uh, <laughs> of being tickled. You do, you do <laughs> squish up, don't you? Go, no, 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 no. I do. It's true. I have to... So I'm going to, um, I'm going to do a little bit of prep. Maybe a bit of CBT to <laughs> to uh, uh, organise myself and to just relax into that um, prickliness. Yeah, it's funny that I was th- when you were talking about the friendship thing. It, yeah, there's something about the ebb and flow because I think it would be different if we were just texting because we effectively have a very intimate friendship that's being nourished each week. I don't think it needs physical presence. It's not that it wouldn't uh, wouldn't be a great pleasure to see you, but it's not it's not cursory. It's not hey, how's it going? And then just some you know sending some gif or um, gif if you're that way inclined, and then that's the exchange. Which you know, and of course we each of us probably you know people who listen have those kinds of exchanges all the time, but they feel very um, they feel like they're ticking over, like ticking over a friendship. Mm. This feels different, and I and I don't think the texting is you know I th- it's uh, it's it's here or there it's you know it's some of it's perfunctory and some of it's quite funny and some of it's but it's very different from what we're doing here. Yes, I yeah. mean I spend more time. You, you're by a long shot the person I spend the second amount of time with uh, each week, and that's partly because of COVID. You know, because I'm not seeing. Yeah. Um, I mean, some colleagues, yeah, yeah, I reckon that would be the, the case. Certainly not the kind of detailed conversations that we're having and, and then editing and publishing. <laughs> Odd. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, because the performative nature of it is odd. That ticking over is quite interesting because one of our uh, unfaithful listeners, who is a friend, yeah, which is, which is I have... I sometimes catch myself in that moment where I realise that I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to other people who... Oh, I, oh I forget all the time because people say, Do oh, you? yeah, I already, yeah, because they'll say, you know, a friend will say, oh, yeah, because I heard you, you've already said that. I went, what? When did I say that? <laughs> I didn't tell you that. I it was about find, the hug, actually. Yeah, all right. I find it really interesting that um, there are people who listen to us that know both of us. There are people who listen to us who know us separately. And then there's that golden section of people who don't know either of us. And I am so deeply curious to know why they are coming back <clears throat> and why they are listening to us. Because it's it feels like such a gift and such an honour that they would spend their time listening to us. So that's thank you to anybody who is listening who doesn't 
actively know us. Um, but I was talking, oh, I was probably texting somebody who we both know, yeah, um, in who we we know in common, um, and I'd said I haven't spoken to you in ages, and she said, "Really?" I thought, I, I think I think we have, and then I got another text. Went, nope, I remember. Just listened to you for a while. It makes me think that I've had a conversation with you, and so that sense of of, of kind of the the. In COVID, I think it is, isn't it? It's about in these moments where our worlds are so different than mm. they have been prior to this. But the complexity and the, the 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 fluidity of how we communicate and be with one another is so different now, and that we can do it in such a passive way, just like listen to a friend's podcast. Yep, I've caught up with them, even though there's been no exchange. <laughs> The reason I was uh, boning a chicken, boning? You might want to say boning out a chicken because I think boning a chicken <laughs> is a different thing. No, but it's deboning, but there's also the, what was the, dressing, but there's another one. Dressing. Jointing. Jointing. Anyway, the reason I was jointing is because <laughs> Lil had chosen, so I'm, you know, cooking a special meal for her. That's tonight, and then tomorrow morning I'm going to make a little bit of a, um, an enriched dough, a little, uh, it's an Eastern European kind of uh, filled Rich and rich dough, can't remember what it's called. I'll put the recipe in the show notes, if this even makes the cut. But that's tomorrow morning. Delicious. Ah, I can't wait. Well, that seems like the perfect bombshell on which to end. It does. Yeah. Me boning a chicken. <laughs> you know that's the, the ending uh, of, the, of the podcast. Yes, I, you yes. Boning Thank, a chicken. You're welcome, Lee. You're welcome.